Hi, and welcome to the 40 and Infertile podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, at 40 and Infertile on Instagram. I'm a fellow IVF patient, and this is where I share with you my fertility journey in my late 30s and 40s, while also providing you information to minimize your fertility struggles later in life. All right. This is episode 12, and episode 12 brings us another warrior story, and we have Lucky Baby Lamb, or Annie. Um, I first found um, Annie online um, on Instagram, and um, I was first kind of just starting to talk about my experiences and what I was going through, and I was looking for another fellow 40-year-old to kind of share experiences with, and I happened to find Annie, and then we found out that we're both Dr. Amy patients. And so uh, we started connecting through our shared experiences with Dr. Amy. Um, If you follow her, then you know she is one of the most supportive and helpful people you can have in your corner. She is kind. um, She is knowledgeable. And you you feel like she will literally hold you up when you feel like the weight of this journey is bringing you down. Um, so she's here today to share with us her journey. Um, it's not done yet. She's still going. Um, but she's had a long and difficult journey and she's had wins and losses, you know, like most of us have. Um, so that means in kind of, um, exploring that today, we uh, did cry a little and we did laugh. Um, thankfully we laughed more than we cried. (laughs) So, which is important sometimes, Um, And along the way, she's learned a lot, and she's really candid today uh, with us about that and what she has learned and what has been helpful for her. You'll notice that um, we have a long list of resources for today's episode because she just doesn't hold back. She literally gives it all to you because she wants you to succeed as much as she wants herself to succeed. Um, so, you know, if you ever send her a message or anything like that, you'll see, she'll just fire away a whole bunch of resources for you. If you, you know, are asking her how she's gotten through what she's gotten through. And she actually, you know, discusses a lot of that today. So you'll see a lot of links for that. Um, so a couple important things I want to mention, as always, we are not physicians and the information provided today is for educational and informational purposes only. And so this is not a substitute for professional medical advice. So make sure that you're consulting with your own fertility doctor before choosing any medical therapies that can affect your fertility. Unfortunately, as you know, every person's situation is unique. And so it's vital that you discuss your personal situation with your fertility doctor to decide what is the best course of action for you. So please also make sure that you are taking your medications as prescribed by your physician. Always consult with your physician before changing your medication dosages. It's super important to make sure that your physician knows what medications you're on, what their dosages are, and how often you're taking them. Um, One more thing to know, uh, this episode has a little explicit language in it. It's not a lot. Uh, It's sprinkled throughout. But just be mindful of where you're playing this <laughs> episode. Maybe not great to have it loud at work or anything. Um, so just kind of be mindful. Um, okay, get comfortable. Uh, have your jammies on. Have some snacks. Maybe something to drink because this is a long one. But I promise it is totally worth it. Hey. 
Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode. And today we have Lucky Baby Lamb or Annie. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. I know we've been planning this for a little while. So thanks so much for making time to be with us today. Of course. Anything for you. <laughs> oh, I feel so special now. Um, so let's start with the stuff that, you know, we all kind of want to know about. For the people who don't know you, can you start with your story, your journey, um, how you kind of came to where you are today? Yeah, well, um, you know, we, me and my husband, I, who I call Chef Hubby, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we got married when we were like, you know, in our late thirties and, you know, not first thing you do is just try naturally. And when nothing happened, mm -hmm. um, when you hit 40, you're like, Oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing's mm -hmm. happening. And boom, IVF. That's how IVF, that's how we, that's when we started two and a half mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. Started IVF at 40. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm 42 now I'm turning 43 in four months. Um, you know, naturally, there's like some anxiety about that. I'm like, you're like getting so old. I mean, I don't feel old at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But my eggs say otherwise. Yeah, I know so. mine too. <laughs> I know. I'm like on the outside. No, actually on the inside, I still feel like I'm like 25. But like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my ovaries <laughs> are like 65, I think, or something. I know. It's just, I think that's just the most, that's just the hardest thing to um, think about because it's like, we literally have to work so much harder to get our eggs mm -hmm. out of retirement. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what we're doing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we're like ready to retire. But we're forcing them out of retirement <laughs> right. by pumping them with hormones. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I've never thought about, like, looking at it like I'm trying to pull my eggs out of retirement. I'm like, no, -uh, not yet. <laughs> Get back out here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly how I feel like. So, yeah, like, I'm turning 43. It took it took us two and a half years to even make viable embryos. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I started with a misconception of, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, I actually have a high AMH. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my AMH is about 3.9. I make, I, I, I see about like 20 to 29 follicles at baseline. And which sounds amazing, you know, and that's, that's what got us in trouble in a way. Because doctors sort of saw us as, oh, you guys are going to be easy. I'm no problem. You have lots of eggs. But nobody told us or even warned us or educate us that having a lot of eggs doesn't mean you're going to make it or make any normal viable embryos. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. So when you and then the, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, yeah. The only way we could tell whether our eggs or whether our eggs are so good or not is you have to go through the egg retrieval mm -hmm. help. Yeah. And we went through seven rounds. Oh, my gosh. In two and a half years. Yeah. So uh, this whole process started when you were 40. So you said about two years ago, right? So when you... Over two years. Yeah. So when you were first trying, um, how long did you try for naturally? For three years. You tried naturally for three years? 
Yeah, from 37 to 40. Oh, my gosh. And um, I even went to Kaiser to, you know, start IUI around 38. And that doctor at that time was like, you know, again, he saw my number of follicles. And he's like, you're fine. You know, why don't you try naturally for like, why don't you just go home and try naturally on like day 14, 16, 18, 20. Um, or start day 15, 17, you know, every two days and then, you know, come back and con- I'll congratulate you and thank me when I, when you're pregnant. I'm like, okay. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He did not warn me at that time that you have a lot of eggs, but they might not be good quality. Never got that. Mm-hmm. Was that, was that your OBGYN or was that a fertility doctor? A fertility doctor. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, I was, he retired now, so I can't, (laughs) I couldn't go back and like, yeah, like say you're so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But um, going through so many rounds of egg retrievals, I finally figure out what our problem is, like exactly what our poor egg quality is. I had surrogates. Yeah. You want to explain what that is? Oh, gosh, I'm so bad with technical terms. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) I basically have uh, my eggs and all of my most of my eggs have these circular cluster in the middle of them. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, you know, it, it causes they it's called it stands for like smooth endoplasmic rectal particular cluster. I'm sorry, I'm totally butchering it. No, 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 no. Yeah, but it's just this disc, this circle disc right in the middle of my eggs. And most of them have it. And then that's like, it, it, that's just, it's a signal of bad quality because your egg's supposed to be smooth and round. But no, I have this crappy cluster of crap in the middle of my egg. <laughs> yeah. So... Okay, let's let's go back a little bit to the trying naturally and then the IUI. So you tried naturally for three years. It didn't work. Like during that time, did anybody say like, hey, three years is kind of a long time. Maybe we should look at IUI or anything like that? No, that's the thing. I went to my OBGYN for my, you know, my annual pap smear. And mm-hmm. she knows I was trying, but no encouragement, no encouragement from her too. And then that's why I feel like our medical system fail us because my own OBGYN, this is not, this is, this is different from my fertility doctor. Um, didn't warn me about it. Didn't seem educated about it at all. I had no, like no heads up. Yeah. So you tried for three years and then what made you go to the fertility doctor? Like what was the tipping point that said, you know what, this is not working. I got to get help. (laughs) Once I turned 40, oh. <laughs> my 40th birthday, <laughs> like literally I'm like, oh my God, like I freaked, I freaked out. I literally felt that talk time is ticking. Uh-huh. Um, you know, um, back up a little bit. Um, I had my own, inter- I had my own circle of friends that were, who were able to get pregnant naturally mm-hmm. 40 plus. Yeah. You know, so that again, it was just like, and then you see on TV and then movie stars, they have, you know, kids 40 Mm -hmm. plus, but Mm -hmm. you know, again, nobody really talks about how and why at that time, Mm -hmm. at least like, this is like five or six years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just had, 
I, I have a lot of regret. Like, why didn't I educate myself better on it? And also, I just wasn't aware. I wasn't aware at all. Um, so yeah, 40th birthday. That's when I decided we should see an actual IVF doctor. So you requested to see an IVF doctor. So what happened after you requested to see the IVF doctor? Oh, you know what? I requested, we requested to go see an IVF doctor for IUI. Um, you specifically were requesting IUI? Yeah. Oh, okay. What made uh, you think IUI? Again, it was a overconfidence. It's like, you still have lots of eggs, which is a bad thing. But, uh, um, you know, so like my first appointment is at RMA in San Francisco. My doctor, Dr. Morin at that time, he was actually really good at convincing us why we shouldn't do IUI and just jump straight to IVF. That's when he started explaining to us the the statistics of 40 plus. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first time I felt like we had our first education about how the whole egg decline with age. That's pretty much my first education about that. What did he say to you? He just said at 40, you pretty much have like a pretty much a 5% chance of a live birth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but he, he was optimistic with us because he's like, I had good, I, I had a, a good AMH at that time. You know, my FSH was so good. Um, we just move forward with IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another thing he told me because my FSH was around 10, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're both Dr. Amy patients. Yeah. He did not explain to me about that at that time. But, you know, a year later when, when I started with Dr. Amy, she explained it better. Like she said something like if it's FSH is over 10, it's, it's an indicator that's going to be harder for you to find a viable egg. So that's another reason why, you know, Dr. Morton didn't explain it to me like that, but mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons he just said, your AM, your FSH is a little hot on the high side. Mm-hmm. You should start with IVF mm-hmm. and not IBI, I, IUI. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's talk about the very first IVF experience. Like all of us have that first IVF experience where like our brains have these expectations that are completely different than what the actual, I think, first IVF experience is like. So why why don't you talk about your first IVF experience and kind of what your expectations were? Oh, I feel like I read a lot about this experience on NRIG community, like one and done. Yeah one and done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. First IVF experience. I, I think I had 12 eggs out, um, you know, and then we made three blasts first round mm-hmm. and we're like, yes, three babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wrong. Yeah. I sort of, I'm not sure if I missed that not, you know, being naive at that time. But we were really that naive. Yeah. No, the same thing happened to me, too. <clears throat> I um. My first cycle, like I didn't even get to hear these statistics. Like he didn't tell us any of these statistics. He was, he just said my AMH was low because I didn't have a high AMH. I had a low AMH. Mm. I think my first one was 0.3 or 0.5, somewhere in there. And so he's like, Ooh, I don't know. I'll take you, but you know, it's going to be rough. And most people wouldn't take you. You should really think about donor eggs. Like he was already having that donor egg conversation with me. And then I I didn't even like know what to expect. Like they gave you a little packet, but like 
and I I know I got this calendar and I was supposed to follow this calendar. And then I got this like medication sheet that I was supposed to log all my medications on. Mm-hmm. And then I would go, I would do my injections and then I would go in, I would do the monitoring appointments. I didn't know what he was looking for. I'm like, at the time he, at baseline back then, which was 2018, I had about eight follicles at baseline. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if that was good or bad. And so I'd ask him like, is that okay? Is it not okay? And he was so noncommittal about it. Like he was just like, well, for some it's good, for some it's not. I'm like, okay, well... (laughs) What does that I mean? Know, that's like, yeah, that's so ambiguous. Like, I'm like, what does that mean? What is, I don't, is that good, bad? Like, are we happy yeah. about this or not happy about yeah. this? I don't know. Exactly. And so he like was non-committal about it. He wouldn't like commit to saying like, hey, it's looking good. And I yeah. get it probably to avoid giving false hope, you know, like, so I, I could maybe understand that. But then, so we did that. And then like, he's like, okay. And he, on my sheet, he would mark down whatever dose of medications I was supposed to do at every monitoring appointment. They would draw labs. I don't know what they were looking for on the labs. I just knew I showed up and they got blood from me. And then um, I did, uh, they told me about my trigger. I didn't want, know what the trigger was, but yeah. I know I was supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're just going in to follow yes. orders pretty yes. much. Yes. No we didn't talk about Nothing. Yep. Yep. We didn't talk about anything. I just showed up and they told me what to do. And then I did it. And like, there was no conversation really. Like he literally scanned me, turned over, like wrote on my little sheet and said, okay, we'll see you whatever the next monitoring appointment was. We'll see you in whatever. Mm -hmm. And then walked out and I was like, okay. And then trigger shot, you have to take your trigger shot at this time. It's really important. Didn't tell me why, but just told me I had to. Okay. I know it's important. And I showed up. He's like, we got eight. I was like, cool. And then there was no conversation about, like you said, about how you could lose. Yes. Like yes. along the way. Like I was like, yep. okay, of the eight, do, do I end up with all eight? My expectation is to have all eight at the end of this. Like we didn't yep. talk about mature, not mature or anything like that. Like, and then I ended up with two, three Two or three blasts, two were PGS tested and then abnormal, all abnormal. Right. And then he was just like, that's too bad. Let me know how I can help. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That was my first IVF experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you also didn't get to like hear that part of like the expectations after retrieval, like what happens right yeah the the attrition rate was shocking yes um you know i think when we did have that conversation it was finally you know he said that it's sort of it's normal i'm Mm -hmm. like i didn't know that yeah yeah you're like thanks for the heads up man (laughs) (laughs) exactly would have been good to know um so that was our we both had first kind of crazy IVF experience and I I I would guess that a lot of people had a similar experience although maybe not um so what happened between IVF number one and IVF number two because I know you 
fairly well outside of this. <laughs> and I know how um, how good and proactive you are about everything now. And I don't know if, if that's because of what happened in the first few cycles. So what happened between cycle one and cycle two? Like, did anything change? No, same stupidity. I, like, I was just, I'm. I, it's one of those things, let's try again. Uh-huh. Maybe the first... He said that in my, it's, it's bad luck. Mm-hmm. That was, that was mm-hmm. it. And now I hate it when they say that because no, it's not bad luck. It was just bad air quality, you know, just be real about it. Um, cause it, because it was, it, because he said that it was bad luck. I'm like, all right, let's try again. Maybe we'll have good luck the next time. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. it's not really like the best marker to strive for, but yeah, same thing. Cycle three, two same like (laughs) it's like you think you will learn but no from from one to three it was the same thing I took out what changes I did take out more eggs each round oh okay okay you know because you know before I you know me and my husband were in we did the 80 20 you know 80 percent on paleo framework and 20 percent off for like five years before we before we even enter the fertility world, just for like, you know, cause we, we eat a lot. We, we love eating high calorie stuff. Mm-hmm. We need to stay in shape. Yeah. 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 Totally. We were used to, we were used to eating somewhat healthier already. So we noticed from one to three, I mean, we did get more eggs each round just because we were cleaning up our diet, mm-hmm. but that's about it. We, we didn't look at diet or fertility or anything. It was just a natural thing to do because we were doing that before fertility mm-hmm. anyways. Mm-hmm. Actually, to be clear, it's from round one round of four. We were still <laughs> operating on the same kind of like, let's just keep trying. And then, um, but the loss on round four really hit us. Mm-hmm. I think from round one to four, I think we took out about 80 eggs already mm-hmm. and nothing, mm-hmm. zero normal embryos. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when we're like, we really need to get our shit together. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the rose tinted glasses popped off. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt betrayed by the whole IVF process, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like pretty much the first time. It was a very painful realization that IVF may not work for us. Mm-hmm. And how you know, and that hurt. Was that the betrayal you felt? You felt that like, wait, IVF was supposed to help everybody, but it's it's not working for me. Is that? Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, you know, I started beating myself up a little bit. I'm like, why do I have so many eggs and they don't work? So they sort of gave me this toxic hope mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, every time I get a consultation with a new doctor, it's like, oh, you have a lot of eggs. You know, you should be fine. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I I know what it is. I have poor, I have bad egg quality. And it's it's really hard to even sink in that concept. Like now I could say it, but before when I say it, it just hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. It's like a very painful realization. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, it took four rounds to whoop me in shape. So, okay. <laughs> Plus in shape. So, what happened after the fourth round? What did you do different? Well, a lot of things. Everything mm-hmm. you see on IG, that's when it started. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lost all my coping mechanism after the fourth loss. Mm. I mean, you know, we, we paid out of pocket 
we paid all out of pocket up until then, you know, mm-hmm. we lost our savings. We, you know, we lost our sanity. We lost our, you know, mm-hmm. our, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I really, I, I myself hit rock bottom. I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know how to even move on. And, and I started having scary thoughts, really dark thoughts. And that's when it scared me because I'm such, you know, I've got energy, very positive in general, mm-hmm. but like Ivy have totally changed me as a person. Um, what the first step was realizing that I needed mental health. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I got tired of like waking up at like, 3 or 4 a.m. like with this anxiety attack and I feel like I couldn't breathe and you know felt really out of control and um that's when I realized that I need I need help I I could no longer do this myself and you know my husband is so supportive and but I felt like what we were dealing was beyond us it was just so heavy and and what really changed a lot was um, me reaching out to Misconception. Cheer me. I've been following her for a year already. Oh, okay. Like beforehand. Yeah, beforehand. And mm-hmm. I, I screenshot a lot of what she says. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, during these like middle of the night breakdowns mm-hmm. and anxiety attacks, um, what really helped calm me down was looking at some of her posts. Mm-hmm. you know about about infertility about loss about embryo loss about any grieving so yeah having that first meeting with her was life-changing for me it was a first step it was a first step for me to just sort of regain some sort of control so, yeah I think that's really important to talk about because I think we like all of us who go through this i mean you don't expect because you're like these are just egg retrievals like it's not that big of a deal but it it is when you've gone through so many and you keep trying and trying and like you don't really have an answer i mean we do we're old and we have (laughs) poor egg qualities right like i i get it that is our answer i get it but at the same point in time that is hard to accept because you can't change it or control it. And then we feel this like, I don't know what the word is. I know there's some regret, but we also feel guilt because it's like, oh, had we known about this sooner, we could have done something about this sooner. We could have frozen our eggs in our 20s. Yeah. And it's not a guarantee, but like at least we'd be dealing with 25-year-old eggs or 30-year-old <laughs> eggs instead of 40-year-old eggs. Exactly. And now I think a lot of the regret is I feel like because I've been I work with Chiami a lot is like, you know, um, you know, we're, 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 we're sort of forced to ha- not have that choice mm-hmm. of being able to have like, you know, a chance to have our genetic child, a baby mm-hmm. that we've known our whole life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. That was how we're going to we're going to get married and we're going to have a baby. Well, I, I think it's super important to to mention that you did have the self-awareness to know when it was time to reach out and then that there's no shame in doing that, too. I think that, you know, 
it's important that we all recognize that it is okay if we get to a point where we feel like we're maxed out and it's okay to ask for help. Because I think we, a lot of us suffer in silence, like, because this is like a quiet thing. We don't talk about it. I mean, other than, you know, some of us who post openly about it, the majority of us, and before I started even posting about my stuff, I, it was all, I kept everything inside. And like you said, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. I mean, I went through four rounds just, just, just with me and my husband and, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's so great. And that's the thing. He's like, like it's sad in him, but he couldn't even help me Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even help myself. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's really hard to suffer silently. I mean, for the first four rounds, we're just winging it. And then, Finally, um, journaling, I journal a lot too, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And, and I realized why it wasn't enough because uh, through working with Chami, she, she, the fir- uh, during our first meeting, she said, it's because pain wants to be witnessed. They want to be, you know, pain needs to feel seen and heard. Especially when we go through, I mean, this is pretty heavy and deep stuff, you know. And I mean, I'm not saying that. I really think that having somebody to talk to that's not your spouse or your partner. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's even better if it's someone who knows this experience, who knows. Yes. The struggle of fertility as opposed to someone who isn't I mean it's still someone who's a professional or has some experience in this heavy work is still better than nothing but optimally someone who really understands this pain and what it's like yes to go through this yeah it's just I think you know there's really I mean there's really nobody that can really help you right but I feel like if we have a chance to just sort of let some of this heaviness out, out, out of our own body, out of our own head and into the universe somehow, whether, whether, like you said, talking to somebody just really understands what this pain feels like, it sort of helps you sort of empty out that negative bucket. And then so you keep going, I feel. That's what I feel. So what did you do? Like, what did you do with your coach to help you get over this or kind of move through this kind of tough space? What did you do that you felt like was the most helpful? Um, I started with weekly meetings. Uh I needed more frequency. And it's just really just sharing it's just having a safe space to just navigate all these heavy waves of emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, having, having a weekly meeting, a meetup. Um, it's like, I would, I would feel good after one meeting and then I would just go through the week, mm-hmm. start to build up that anxiety again. Mm-hmm. And then boom, she would catch me the next week. You know, mm-hmm. I would, you know, write down my feelings I was feeling throughout the week. And then I couldn't wait to talk to her so I can spill up some of the things. Mm-hmm. And um, for her, it's not like she doesn't fix anything. I mean, that's not her job. Mm-hmm. But it's just to help me articulate some of my feelings. Mm-hmm. Like she just sort of explains, she's just really like saying what I'm feeling really 
like, why am I having these anxieties? <laughs> um, and then she's, and then one of the things I learned from her that was really helpful is like, because we're so used to like letting this big girl voice talk us down, like, you could do this, you're strong, you're tough. But we never give that little voice the credit. You know, that little voice is the one that feels fear mm-hmm. and anxiety. Just sort of let that honor that voice to say, okay, it's okay. I know why you're scared because you're going through a lot of hell right now. You're going through a lot of shit. How can you not feel scared? She says that stuff to me, you know, and it, it just sort of helps sort of help calm me down a little bit and, and learn how to be vulnerable, I guess. Yeah, I feel like you have to learn how to be vulnerable. I think, I feel like vulnerable is a, vulnerability is a strength. But I didn't see that in the beginning. It took weeks and weeks of our meeting in order for us, for me to realize the power of being vulnerable. Um, doing meet, my meetups with Chiami Misconception was also done along with me starting an anonymous account on IG. That was a game changer for me too, because I was, again, another safe space to just let out my all my negative thoughts <laughs> it's really I feel like my IG right now is just a way for me to regurgitate all my feelings so I could get it out of my system so I don't have to hold it myself I don't want to hold it yeah yeah no I could like when I whenever I'm posting some stuff like I just post one um thing about like if you're 40 and you're struggling to um get pregnant it's okay it's not your fault that was really like, honestly, for me to yeah. hear it. Yes. Like I needed to see it and hear it for myself too. And if someone happens to need to hear it and see it also then wonderful. But really I wrote it because I'm like, it's not your fault. Stop blaming yeah. yourself. It's not yep. your fault because every day I blame myself every day. I think yeah. coulda, woulda, shoulda, if I only knew, but we didn't know. Like we d- how there was no way we could know. Nobody told us. So don't we just didn't know. And but we continue to beat ourselves up, you know, and so I did it right. f- for me to so I could read it. And like, yes. I, I got these very nice messages where people were like, thanks so much for for saying this. I'm like, I have to be honest. I like I'm, I wrote it for me, too. Like, it, yeah, it, it, like yep. I needed to hear it as much as you did. Like, yep. So like that comes back to this whole thing. Pain wants to be seen and heard and validated, you know, mm-hmm. witness. That's the word. Mm-hmm. And you writing that and, and having a community just sort of say, Hey, I feel that too. Mm-hmm. Or like, I see you just even like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I see you or I forgive mm-hmm. you. Or mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And that's like, long way. yeah, I think that's, a whole other part too, the whole forgiveness part of it. Like, cause we have to forgive ourselves that we're in the space that we are now. And like you said, that takes a ton of work and cause there's so much like buried underneath that. It takes time to unpack and not even, it's like, it's so easy to say, you got to forgive yourself, but really what it starts with is you have to need, you need to give yourself the permission to start doing that work to not blame yourself. And I feel like, you know, through fertility counseling, you know, you know, and, and, and through writing, um, those are like 
good tools Mm -hmm. to start. So did you take a break between IVF cycle four and five? Was there like a break between all that? So what happened between four and five? Took six months break off. And that's when I'm like, between break four and five, it was it was a really hard. First of all, it was a really painful uh, realization because you know the whole betrayal kind of thing. Um, and then you know I, I did that's around I did with Dr. Amy for it's my one and only egg retrieval round with Dr. Amy, and she during our WTF meetup, mm-hmm. you know she pretty much gave us like three options because we literally only, we were financially capable to only do one more round. That's it. And so she's like, if this is your Hail Mary round, let's, let's do one more with your egg, with your own egg. Along, along that, if you really want to just start to get serious and get closure, consider doing this, you know, that round with a, with a batch of donor eggs have that donor egg get fertilized with my husband's sperm. And if I really want to take one step further to see, because like at that point, we didn't know whether it's the egg or the sperm. We still were like, you know, I was making blasts. We were making blasts and we couldn't tell whether, because we have male factor issue too. We have high DNA defrag, you know, low motility. So ex- explain that really quick. Let's talk about the male factor a, a little bit really quick. Um, so d- tell me about what was going on with your husband. So um, all thanks to Dr. Amy, we dug deeper on the sperm side, you know, because she's all about test, test and not guess kind of thing. So when we signed on with her on cycle four, uh, she pretty, uh, she put the sperm she pretty much ridiculed the sperm and like, we are going to test the crap out of the sperm. And so she referred us to an amazing urologist who she calls the sperm whisperer, (laughs) Dr. Paul Turek in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we found out that, um, you know, my husband had varicocele. And Varicocele, he was born with it. I I believe, and don't quote me, I think one of every 12 male might, might be born with that it's it's a vein that causes blockage and what happens is it causes overheating and so you get like a percentage of sperm that's damaged and his dna defragmentation is about and it depends um it ranges from 31 percent, and his highest defragmentation was 51 percent, which is bad because um, anything over 30%, it's harder to, you know, fertilize the egg and make normal blasts. And so we, we, so that's when the first time we found out we had male factor issue. And then alongside my eggs, because I have a high number of eggs, I was getting 20 eggs from Dr. Amy. We're like, how come we couldn't get, we, and then I was only, you know, with 20 eggs retrieve with male factor, we only made one blast. So, you know, my attrition rate yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Like that drop off is insane. What's the point of having so many eggs when you can't make blasts? Yeah. 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 So she had that talk with you. She said, do donor egg alongside your eggs. Yes. And then if you really want to find out whether it's a sperm or the egg, mm-hmm. 
get a sperm donor too. And that they would, take, oh. you know, so I would be splitting my eggs in half, half with the sperm donor, half with my husband's egg. And then I should have my closure at that point. Cause you know, I love data. Yes. <laughs> I'm a comp sci major. Yeah. I, I, I like using data or metrics to help make decisions. And so I need it in order for me to get the closure I need. I need to know whether it's an egg issue or the sperm issue because, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was a little too crazy with the sperm donor. We're like, no, we're not doing that because... If, if anything, I want to make sure that we increase the chance of having, you know, preserving my husband's fertility. You know, you know, I'm Chinese Vietnamese and there's just, I don't know, it could be old fashioned, but my husband's the oldest son of the family. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, mm-hmm. and you know, his parents never put, his parents are so cool. My in-laws are so cool. They never put the pressure on me. You know, it, this is my own pressure. Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like I just want to at least help carry out the family name for him. Mm-hmm. It's my, mm-hmm. my own stupidity. Even if I lose my genetics, I would prefer me losing it versus my husband. Because, yeah. you know. It's not stupidity, have- by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's not stupidity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At least I'm able to like carry out the lamb. <laughs> you know, that's my yeah. lucky baby lamb. You know, I, my, my last name is Luck. My husband's name is Lamb. And, you know, it's really stupid, but it, that's, that's like, for me, it was important. It might, my husband didn't care either. It's like he, for him, he's like, no, I would rather lose my genetics. Cause like he sees that how much, how, like how hard of a time I'm having. And so, yeah, we, uh, we did the break to figure out. So that's what we did. We got a batch of donor eggs. I was, that's, that could be another story because. No, hold on. Let's pause. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about the donor eggs. Okay. Well, first let me say this. Um, I want to make sure you know that it was not stupid or silly or anything. However you felt is valid and it was important to you. So it's not stupid. I don't want you to feel that way. Thank you. Because like we, we do that, we beat ourselves up and we, we dismiss what we feel like is important. And I don't want you to do that because it was important to you. And if that's important to you, then it's important to you. Who cares what anybody else thinks? So <laughs> like, you. I, I support you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the reminder. Uh, yeah. Hashtag PRP sisters forever. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but so let's talk about the donor egg. Cause when, I don't even remember when you and I met. I don't know when that happened. Um, I I think it happened. I met during the summer last year. I think so. I think, I can't remember if it was before cycle four. I think it was before cycle four. No, it was after cycle four. I met you between cycle four and five that break. Um, I I got on, I started my anonymous account. Uh, Well, I'm no longer anonymous, but I I will. I was anonymous for three months uh, with under Lucky Baby Lamb with like just my name and nothing else. And um, so that's when I wanted, I, I started reaching out and trying to seek for, um, you know, more warriors that that's 40 plus that, you know, that could relate with my situation. And I'm, I was so happy to find you because you were easy. You were like 40 and fertile. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just putting it all out there. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I, I, I know I I started after Mother's Day Mm. last year. It was hard Mother's Day. 
you know, nobody, you try so hard to be a mom, but you, you don't get recognized at all. I mean, I mean, how could they, you don't have a baby or side, like people don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely like started after Mother's Day, the whole online thing. Um, that's when I met you, I feel like. Yeah. And then I think because we we talked a little bit about the donor eggs, because yeah. at the same time, I had finished my second cycle with Dr. Amy. Yes. And my second cycle was a bust. And so I like my problem, I have like a similar problem with you, but I have I don't have as many eggs. So I don't have as many eggs and my eggs suck also. And so I st- the outcome is still the same. I get one blast or whatever and the blast comes back abnormal, right? And so I always knew because I've had like consultations with other doctors and they're like, look, egg donor, like that's probably going to be in your future. Like just really yeah. think about it, right? Yeah. And so I like in my in the back of my mind, I had been thinking about egg donors and then I remember you were like oh I'm thinking about doing this you know this egg donor like my yeah yeah. and I was like wait tell me more and so we started talking a little bit more about egg donors so tell me about your process how you found your egg donor um what that was like yeah um it was one of those rock bottom nights after cycle four I was just on the floor crying and my husband had to like peel me off the floor I remember and you know and then that's right around the WTF appointment with Dr. Amy she's like yeah we should start looking at donor eggs and I'm like I was still so resistant of the idea it I I was not ready and then it was that moment when my husband peeled me off the floor. I don't know, out of like the fifth time. I don't know how many times he had to peel me off the floor. I was literally on the ground crying all the time. That's how much I couldn't cope. I didn't know how to cope. That that was my coping mechanism was crying. And, and anyways, that's, it's during one of those, <laughs> he peeled me off the floor and he sat me down. He's like, you know, it's okay if we go to the egg donor route. And he reminded me, we have three dogs. I'm like, how much we love Cody, Bell, and Charlie. I mean, like, we love them like our own kids. And he's like, what makes you think that we won't love our kid with a donor egg? And then he's like, I'm really, I can't stand seeing you like this anymore. We we need to like have, we need to have a way out. I mean, he, and he was, this is what he said. He's like, what is our end goal? What is our end game is to be parents, right? This way we could still be parents. And I'm like, okay, I finally stopped crying on the floor. Mm. (laughs) And we started just, um, Dr. Amy sent us a big list and we just started pounding away um, on the different egg donor sites. Um, We had to figure out whether we want fresh or frozen I mean, we could barely, I mean, we're paying out of pocket so for the whole time already. We're like, oh, I, we still need to do my egg retrieval. How are we going to afford donor eggs? And we weigh the pros and cons about both. And then it comes down to money, right? At the end of the day, we can't afford a fresh. Of course, the fresh might be better. You got more options, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, we can only afford a frozen lot and that's all we can do. And so it, for us, it came down to money. 
of how we decided whether we want to do fresh or frozen. Um, yeah, I think 15 frozen donor sites a day, me and my husband split it. Yeah. It, man, they go quick. Once you find one, you, you inquire about them. They're like, sorry, they're taken. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was like, well, I was, we were so shocked because, you know, being Asian, on top of that, the donor pool, the options are small already. You're competing with other recipient parents. And there you go. They, they get snatched up really quick. When you find like an Asian, they're like, sorry, they're taken. So yeah, every day it's like buying stocks or something or like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Or like, or I don't know, buying concert tickets. You always yeah. have to like oh log on every morning, refresh the browser. Yeah. If there was any new donors that popped up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh it God. was like that every day for four weeks, four weeks. We did that every day. It was really overwhelming because it gave us a goal, right? It, 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 it helped me from crying on the ground because like, we could see parenthood is still achievable. Like, thank goodness for the donor world or else we'll be more like effed. Yeah. I know. I'm trying to keep your, trying to keep your podcast clean. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just put the explicit mark on it. We're good. I'll just mark it explicit. We'll be okay. <laughs> You're good. I got you. <laughs> So yeah, four and a half weeks later, we finally found our donor. Um, that was hard because not only uh, was I, you know, giving up my, you know, my genetics, I also had to like, like give up my, our ethnicity because, you know, it's just really hard to just find a Chinese Vietnamese mix. I mean, you can, uh, in the fresh world, we, we, we were, but we couldn't afford it. <laughs> so we have to work with what we got um we found we found a donor that was like half hawaiian and half irish she still looked asian yeah 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 when like when i was starting to look at it and i'm still like superficial about it because like how you felt during that time i'm like not quite ready yet like yeah. i don't i'm the same way like we've paid out of pocket for everything and i'm I'm running out of options. I have three loans out. Like there's only so much I can do. Right. Yeah. But so when I was, hard. I know. So it's like when you're looking at the donors as like this possible end point of when you'll get what you want, hopefully, because there's no guarantee with donors either. No. Um, and the thing that was weird for me was trying to find. So you try and find your ethnicity, too, because you want you you want your, you feel like you want your kid to look like you, right? Like to at least have those similar features and stuff like that. And so when I was going through the pictures, the thing that's weird for me when I was doing it was that I was like, okay, I was trying to find someone who looked like me and it's so weird. And then, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if you yeah, did that, but I was yeah, like, no, 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 I did. I did. That was like first thing. It was like, it was so effed up. It's yeah. Finding somebody to replace you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like so weird. It's like looking, going through a dating site, right? Looking, yes. Swiping through photos, yes. looking at like how they grew up or mm -hmm. reading their like, bio. Yeah, what, like, like mm -hmm. 
or like, it's, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't identify with you. Or like, trust us, we had a long list and we had to scale back. We had to like, I also, yeah, and I, I, I look for the ethnicity. I look for the looks. I even like, I even want the donor to match the same blood type as me. Google's insane. I'm, I'm, I'm five, I'm five, six. So like, you know, I'm, you could say I'm pretty tall for an Asian. So like, that's another thing that was important to me, height. So I had, I had a big list that I hurriedly had to slowly like scale back because we didn't have the money to get a fresh donor, right? I mean, you go for a fresh donor, you have more options. So how did you finally say, okay, this is my donor? Like what made you feel good about that choice? This is such a quick cliche. I feel like I was shopping for a wedding. Well, this is like four and a half weeks in, right? You get so... You start, you start losing it a little bit. You're, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Do you remember when you're planning a wedding at the very end? It's like, it's another $5,000, whatever. I don't care anymore. Just charge it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. For us, we were like, oh, whatever. She's, she's five, six. She looks good. And uh, sorry, it sounds so shallow now. But yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Let's get this over with. <laughs> Like she was good enough. I, I yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we reached. I guess we reached that point where like we're not gonna get everything we want, and it's just unrealistic to find somebody to look like you or replace you because they would never replace you. So that was. So what happened in cycle five? You found your donor. You got your eggs. Oh, so I forget. How many eggs did you get? Six frozen eggs from uh, Donor Egg Bank USA. They offer a PGT guarantee or else they give you a new batch. So that was amazing. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. another reason why we went with them. Even though the options for Asians are limited because after losing four rounds, making nothing like to have an, uh, to have an opportunity to make a, to have them guarantee at least one PGT or else we will give you a new like donor. You know, if she's out of eggs, we'll give you a new donor was everything to us. We're like, finally, we need to get back in the driver's seat. Um, so yeah, six eggs. At the same time, I was also gunning a Hail Mary round for myself. And that's when I started hitting the books. I read everything. I went, I went, I, I got on Reddit. I, I talked to the community. I consulted with mul multiple other doctors throughout the United States, like New York, LA. Um, I started questioning. That's, that's really the first time I started questioning everything. And I just realized that I really didn't know much from round one to four. I mean, by four, when doc during Dr. Amy's round, I would say I did know a little bit more. Like I learned how to ride the AMH FSH cycle, you know, go, go check your follicles during baseline. And if you know, you're normally, you normally see 10, but that cycle you see four, you're like, no, abort, wait for the next cycle, you know, because your AMA and a, uh, your AMH and FSH change every month. So try to catch that cycle of your high. So I learned that from Dr. Amy, at least. But besides that, I really didn't know. I didn't know about the different protocols either. I didn't know what menopause was doing to me. I didn't know what gonoff was really doing. I still didn't know what a trigger shot was until after cycle four to five. So when I got on the egg quality diet, I, um, I joined Amy Rapp's um, 
meetup fertility reboot group for six weeks. That was amazing too, because it kept us going. Um, changed my supplement game, up my acupuncture game. I pretty much did everything because this is Hail Mary. This is my last time. This is my last literally battle mode, me and my husband. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It really felt yeah. like we were prepping for war. Like for that six month, we felt like we were just fighting like our lives dependent on it. That's how hard we fought. And that's also how much I I'm, I learned a lot too. You know, I mean, the diet thing was really hard. We did the equality diet for a hundred days straight. But what motivated us was we had to just kept, t- we kept telling ourselves that's only temporary. This is only temporary. Of course, if you ask my husband, he'll have a different response. He'll be like, do you want a baby or what? (laughs) 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 Because he did it with me, too. He's my cheerleader, you know, he so like he's like, you want a baby or what? (laughs) You know, know, during the days when I feel like I want to give up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But for me, I just kept I had to remind ourselves this is only temporary. It's only a few months. We're going to go back to we're going to have breaks in between. So, um, mm-hmm. and then what happened with cycle five? It was a bus too. Oh, yeah. It's like you work your ass off for like six months trying to optimize your body. And I did see change. I went in every month for a baseline. I got my, I got, I did my blood work. I got my AMH. I got my FSH. I even went for a follicle scan, date with Wanda every month just to make sure I was on track. I was feeling better. My metrics were getting better. But yeah, even from a, even for like such a strong data person, none of that meant anything. You know, it was like I got a lot of eggs that I got a lot of eggs that cycle. I got twenty one eggs that cycle. <laughs> like that's that's good. Um, my most matured, my most fertilized. So I know I did something right. I know we did something right. I think I know all that diet and acupuncture supplement stuff did help. But what it didn't do is it didn't help me get our normal. And what happened with the donor egg batch? Oh, that was, wow, that was really bittersweet. <laughs> I actually sort of forgot about it. I mean, I mean, I try not to think about it because um, yeah, I'm not sure if I recommend this or not, because it's definitely not for the faint of heart. <laughs> You're literally, it's like a scoreboard. You versus donor, because it happened at the same time. Our eggs fertilized the same time, and it was like we started out good. I had like twenty-one eggs versus six eggs, right? I had like eighteen mature, um, you know, and then I had sixteen fertilized. It's pretty good, right? Compared to like yeah. four fertilized, so sixteen fertilized to four fertilized. I'm like, I want to make yeah. some blast. I'm gonna yeah. get something. Nope, nope. I made two really super poor quality day seven blasts. She, um, our donor eggs, and my my husband cautions me about this because he's like, stop calling it like she or whatever because you're making it sound like it's such a foreign object. These are our eggs too. You know, donor eggs are our eggs. So so I'm glad he reminded us. So our donor eggs (laughs) Um made three high quality blasts and two came back normal and my eggs zero. That was a really tough pill to swallow. Like it was, then that was it. Oh, I was, you know, in a way it, it gave, 
me some closure. I sort of need to like have that door slapped on my face somehow in order for me to want to move on. But yet I didn't want to let go too. My husband saw it in me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He saw it in me. He's like, you're not ready to let go. But I'm like, we're out of money. We can't do anymore. So like we have to let go because at the end of the day, it's about money. It is money. There's like no money, no talk. Like it's a pay to play system, which is like really, I wish it was cheaper because, you know, if it was, and I did tell him, like, if it wasn't so expensive, I would keep taking my eggs out every month until I have no more eggs. Totally. I'm the same way. Yeah. I know it's hard. Like, you know, it's not fun. That two weeks you're stemming. And if you're priming more time, it's like, it's not fun. It's hard on the body and on the mind. Um, but yeah, it's quite a bittersweet realization. Zero from me to... Um, Two really high quality blasts from our donor. Very, I feel really grateful, of course, you know. But it's just like I was still dealing with my own emotions. So it was hard to be like, it was hard to feel happy about it. And, you know, I did a whole big cry post. That was like so genuine because like we were both just like so shocked and, and like, you know, well, screwed up thing about that process is when our doctor, so my main doctor was out of office that day. So there was like a substitute doctor, you know, like another acting doctor, RE, that day. He told us, you, you make two normal embryos. And I'm like, what? He didn't specify whether it was my egg or donor egg. So I just assumed it was me. So for 10 minutes, oh. for 10 minutes. Me and my husband were so happy. We're celebrating. And he's like, you did it. You did it. And then 10 minutes later, he's like, I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You got nothing, but your donor had two. And he was so sorry about it. He was, he's the nicest guy. He was like, I'm so sorry. And then, you know, he wasn't my regular doctor either. But yeah, that, that's like, it was like double, double punch in your face that day. It was a horrible day. Yeah. So... Initially, the game plan was to stop after cycle five. What happened after cycle five? Laura, I am laughing because, because, um, you know, I, I was really ready to move on. Like, you know, when my husband was talking to me about like, we got to keep going. I'm like, stop, stop. I, I just can't, you know, like, I don't care. I still have eggs. So that, that, that was like, that's the hardest thing for me to let go is because like, you know, I keep looking at, like, I see all these follicles. I can't believe, like, none of them made it. You know, at that time, like, it took out, like, 100 eggs already. I'm like, I can't believe none of these made it. And so he found a job, and then um, he found another job, and it helped. Um, there's, uh, that gave us two rounds of um, IVF insurance, and that's how we kept going. So he's been a team player. He, and that's how we did cycle six and seven. And I guess, you know, the cycle six was a bus. I changed clinic at that time. I decided like, you know, this is my, uh, this is my third IVF doctor at this point. I, I consulted with like, I think seven total. And, but this is my third actual one. Um, cycle six was a bus. Oh, I took out lots of eggs that round too. 26 eggs. I'm like, whoa, where did those come from? <laughs> like, that's the thing. I kept doing better and better every round. You know, especially my mature, I had 21 mature eggs from 26. And then 
and then like my fertilization was good. So that's why it's so hard for me to let go because I keep staring at these numbers. I'm like, you don't think I have a chance at all because my numbers keep getting better. Um, but thank God he got the two rounds. Um, cycle six was a bust. 26 eggs made one blast only. It came back abnormal. And that was an eye-opening round because my, my, my third clinic, um, Pacific Fertility Center, had a kick-ass lab. Um, the people that delivered the news about, like, you know, our mature fertilizing, um, we, we get to talk directly to the embryologist. So that was amazing because I, we get access to information that my, you know, just, it's different, right? When you talk to your RE, they're not embryologists. They can't really break it down to you, but I'm able to like grill my embryologist about all these questions. So like, so how did my eggs? so how did my eggs look on the day of retrieval? And they're like, it's horrible. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's no sugar coating. <laughs> no sugar coating. Cause you know, they're embryologists. <laughs> um, I'm like, how horrible. Um, that's when the first, that's, I already suspect that my eggs have, um, I, I know that my eggs have, are poor quality, but I didn't know how and what, but they showed me a picture. I literally have a circle disc. It's like, I don't know, a perfect circle disc on top of my eggs. And they're like, yeah, this is probably why you have a trouble making blasts, even though you have a lot of eggs. And so, yeah, cycle six was the bus. Because um, we have one more. I'm like, I didn't even want to do any more round. But because we have one more uh, round for from insurance, we're like, my husband's like, you have to do it. You know, I work hard for this insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, six rounds in after after getting zero again, like, you have no hope anymore. You're, my trauma brain and body won't even allow me to like, to like think about what it's like to even have a normal. I mean, like, I was running on empty, six rounds of zero. I don't even have, I didn't, we never had a win. So it's like, we were just like running out of gas every round. And so literally seven was like a, a real closure round. We've really given our all. I walked in, we walked in thinking we're going to lose. We did. Had zero hope, zero. <laughs> but wait, you did, you did stuff between six and seven though. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. Um, it's where, like, like allow myself to, like, feel hope. You know, when people tell me, like, oh, yeah, stay hopeful, blah, blah, blah. I just, like, no, just, just don't. What I did have enough was just to keep, just do my best and just try all these experimental things. Because, like, you know, it's pretty desperate at this point. I'm like, what do I have to lose? My eggs are already messed up. <laughs> Like, how can you mess it up even more? And that's when uh, Dr. Amy is just so amazing. Like, I'm no longer her patient, but uh, she still checks in on me. I still email her and she's like, you know, Annie, this is your final round. Do PRP. Give PRP a shot. I'm like, seriously, I only read PRP is good for DOR, you know, patients. Um, but she's like, no, I have seen high MH girls do PRP and get good results. 
I, I, she says she shocked herself. So I'm like, okay, that's when Dr. Phil came in. That's how I met you mm-hmm. <laughs> in person. And, you, and honestly, I give you all, I give you a lot of credit too, because, you know, Dr. Folk and Reno is hard to reach. I mean, they're small. They're a small IVF clinic. They have a lean staff. They're not like these big clinics here, right? They don't have this big receptionist team. I think it's just one guy handling all the calls. Um, And so when I called them five days in a row and I didn't get any response. And when I ping you, I'm like, is this guy legit? (laughs) Because you told me you got it. And then you're like, no, you have to call in the afternoon. You got to talk to this guy, Mark. He's the only one that knows what's up. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Yeah. So yeah, because I think, you know, without Dr. Amy, without you telling me that keep going, I would probably be like, man, screw this guy. You know, because I was already skeptical in the first place. And like to have, when you Google the, you, when you Google Dr. Folk, there's nothing about PRP. And then I even had to go back to Dr. Amy's like, are you sure? Like there's nothing about PRP in Dr. Mm-hmm. Folk mm-hmm. when you Google it. Yeah. She's like, yes. Um. So thank you to you because you told me to keep going. I know. I finally got hold of somebody. Yes. Well, when I went in there too, because I think my consultation was like a week before yours or or no, what I don't remember. But I remember I went in Around first. The same time. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I remember I went in before yours and I actually told them, I was like, hey, um, my friend's trying to get in here and um, nobody's answering her calls. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So like, what's up with that? You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I was like, you got to help out my sister here. Like, and yeah. so, um, and so he's like, I, he's like, I know, because at the time, I think they were just starting up that to outside patients because I think they were only doing yes. it internally for like their own yeah, patients. They will, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, right. Because before that, like Dr. Amy had talked to me about PRP also, but before that, um, she was saying, you know, go see Dr. Murphy in New York. But I wasn't at the time in the right space to like fly to New York to yeah. do all that. And then I just... I just wasn't ready for that. It seemed like a lot for me at the time. And I was like, well, let me try locally first. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll go big and go to New York. Yeah. And at least that was what was going on in my brain is that I was like, you know what? I'll try locally first because it's for me, it's only a couple hour drive to get there. And I was like, okay, if it doesn't work, then I still have that as an option. I think part of me was kind of scared that if, I went all the way to New York and it didn't work. It's like it's like that feeling that you're talking yeah. about, like that yep. just complete yep. devastation of like, well, what now? Yep. I did all of yep. this work. I went flew totally across the country yep. and it didn't work. Like, oh, you know, so I was like, well, let me just start local. Because yep. at the time I felt like maybe I could have one or two more cycles left in me. So I was like, okay, I'm in this space, I'm going to do this. And then in this space will be maybe my Hail Mary or whatever that I will just yeah. go 110% everything out. Yep. So that was kind of how, um, I, what I thought. But then, so you did, how many rounds of PRP did you do? Two rounds, mm-hmm. back to back. Mm-hmm. So a, a, I did it. I did a round in um, just uh, after Thanksgiving, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, November 2021. 
And then I did it on January 4th. And then I did my round seven retrieval um, on February 10th. So I had like a two and a half months of sort of PRP in my system Mm -hmm. doing its thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, it's so experimental. I'm, I was so skeptical, you know. And again, even though I did that stuff, it was hard, hard for me to have any hope. Yeah. It was more like we were doing it just so we could not have any regrets yeah. looking back. Yeah. That's like, for me, I wasn't, I, I, I do things just to get me closure. Yes. And my closure was like, I really need to know my eggs had zero hope. Mm-hmm. Like. I needed to know that even after PRP um, and then Saluma, the infrared mm-hmm. light, two and a half months of that too. If I do all of that and I'm still upping my diet, my acupuncture game, my supplement game, I do everything. It still doesn't work in there. That's my answer. Mm-hmm. Like I really need to move on because mm-hmm. I, I we can't keep charging our credit cards up, right? Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> like, I didn't even... I didn't even think about the loan part, but like, yeah, it's just, and you know, it's been two and a half years because, you know, like we had, we, we couldn't do back to back because we just didn't have the the funds to do it. So, you know, taking breaks allow us to sort of recoup the funds before we did another round. That's why it's been, I know some people can do seven rounds in a year, for example, well, it took us two and a half years to to do that seven to do seven rounds, but yes, from cycle six to seven, um, that's what we did. You know, it's like about a three months break. In between six and seven, again, for me, I I am a planner. I need to plan things. I need to know what my next step is, and you know, because we have donor eggs already, I feel like man, again, it's another kind of mind f. Mm-hmm. It's like living a dual life. One day I'm in my donor brain, my donor world brain, and another day I'm in my own egg brain. And sometimes it's within the hour. I'm like toggling. I'm like, who am I now? Um, so between cycle six and seven, I joined this amazing, amazing donor eggs, uh, donor conception sisterhood um, led by Victoria Nino, expecting anything. Um just a cohort of 15 women for six weeks. We just hashed through every week, had a different, like, for example, week two, we talked about how to grieve our own genetics. That was like a really powerful session. And then I think by week five, you know, we, we had like two, uh, you know, adult donor conceive um, people came on. So we got to, it was a fascinating. We got to ask all these questions. Um, but yeah, for that six weeks, I was preparing for my funeral. Really. Mm, yeah. I was, yeah. When losing, that's what, that's the verge of losing your genetics. That's what it feels like. It's like, yeah. um, you know, it's, it feels like death. Yeah. It's like, that is really it. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if round seven didn't work for us, that was it. That was the end of, that was the end of me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was an end of motherhood. Right. Which, which kept, you know, that was enough to keep me going. And being with Victoria's group was just like, it helped shift my mind. Like at least it took the fear and pressure out of my own eggs because that's why I'm like, well, you know, if it doesn't work, I am, I'm, I did the work to mentally prepare 
us to take the next step. I highly recommend her group. It's called um, Infertility Infertility Unfiltered, the Donor Conception Experience um, Series. It's so inexpensive, too. It was like $185 for six weeks. It's cheaper than therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I was like prepping for my funeral. I was like, we were so ready to move on. We were so ready for seven to fail, you know. Um, and I mean, it didn't. I was like, you know, I'm a little hesitant about it because it, it took a long time to process, you know. Just imagine somebody to like, the roller coaster is all we know abnormal embryos all we know to finally get two normal embryo and then seven that's like I didn't we didn't know how to feel like it wasn't it wasn't like we're not grateful it's just we're just so traumatized from the experience I mean now I could now I, I like you know it's been like two months and I can like you know I had time to process you know I'm really really thankful for the last round seven I'm really thankful we made two, um, you know, decent quality day five and the day six embryo, um, PRP and the Saluma and all of the, all, all that hard work, like made definitely made a difference because again, we had, um, we had access to an embryologist and I was like, so how did my eggs look this time? There are like, Wow, three of, so he was like, it was so bad, but only three of four had SIRS, like were bad, had that bad egg quality, you know, so 25% improvement. So I'm like, oh my God, I did all of that work for so long, just for 25% improvement. I mean, that just shows like there's no magic pill. There's like no magic pill. Like even with PRP, um, but it was enough to edge us out to give us get us our normal. So yeah, after all that work was only seventy five percent because the round six a hundred percent had really poor egg quality. On top of SIRS, I was battling with large polar bodies. The polar bodies is what helps. Um, that's where the whole uh, the abnormal and normal the abnormality. Uh, you know, I'm totally butchering this. I wish my technical term is better. But yeah, if you have large polar bodies, it's if there's a high chance your abnormal, uh, your embryos will come back abnormal. Because that's where, because an egg contains 46 chromosomes before retrieval. After you take your trigger shot, that's when meiosis happens. That's when the egg gets rid of 23 chromosomes. So when they retrieve it, the, the sperm's 23 chromosome, when they, and the egg fertilized, you could make the 46 chromosome, right? So if the egg doesn't do the division process, doesn't get rid of the 23 chromosomes properly, that's when the abnormal embryos happen. And for me, I always have extra chromosomes left over, or I have missing chromosome. And it's from the egg, because we have amazing PGT report that tells us where the parental source of the abnormality <laughs> comes from. And mm -hmm. it's like, the egg, the sperm is perfect. The sperm contain all 23 chromosomes. Yeah. The egg usually contains about 26 chromosomes. That means it didn't do the division properly. 
I learned a lot. I didn't know I had to go to embryology school too, but (laughs) (laughs) I I did not know technically, (laughs) but now I understand how it sort of works. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So round seven, so excited. Like I remember when you and I talked, cause I was like, I, I think I knew it was coming, but I wanted to be respectful of your space. And I know you were doing like your post retrieval party, <laughs> whatever that was. <laughs> oh, oh yes. yeah. Egg retrieval gone wild. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And so I like, I wanted to be respectful of your time, like to, you know, just like not have to Thank you. Deal with all this. But then I was like, I really want to make sure you were okay. So I remember messaging you. And I remember you told me the good news. And I don't like, it's so, it's so weird sometimes because you're like, sometimes when you read this stuff online, like you feel some sort of like envy, right? You're like, oh, why can't I be like that person? Why can't, but like, I totally didn't feel that at all for you. I was just so excited for you. I was like, so happy because I knew like what a long like journey it had been for you. And I was like, I was like, it was almost like I won, (laughs) you know, I was like, oh my God, you did it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you finally did it. And I was just like, so, cause I knew like how hard you worked. I knew like you gave up like everything and I I remember like when we talked I was like oh my gosh I'm so excited and I was just like you you keep partying you do your thing you celebrate whatever you got to do but I'm like let's talk later so I was just like so happy for you because I'm like I know I know that feeling of like failed retrieval failed retrieval failed retrieval and it's just like it's like oh my gosh when you finally get like I only have one embryo and I got it on my first round with Dr. Amy but I mean it's still it was semi-poor quality I think it was like a 2AA maybe or something like that but it came back PGS normal so or PGT normal so I'm like I'm gonna hang on to it but that's the only one I've ever been able to make like out of you know four retrievals I've done that's the only one and it's like it's hard. Like I, like I get what you're saying. Yeah. Cause as long as I'm making eggs, like I, yes. that stubborn side of me wants yes. to keep going until there's nothing yes. left. And, yes. but it's also really brutal when you go in for your baseline scan and you see only one follicle, <laughs> like that's like another, like really bad space to be in. Um, but yeah. so now that you've completed, you lose some confidence. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like so much confidence. I feel like you lose the confidence. Yeah. Like I feel like we have like opposite problems. I mean, because like I always, I, I've i been going and seeing the baseline, but I'm just like, whatever. It means Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually like, you know, I walk in not having the confidence either. So it's like, you're just starting. You're just like, great. Now it's like two weeks. And then after the retrieval, another, another one week for the blast and another three weeks. It's just awful and it's like even though our stories are different like your problem and my problem are different you make a lot of eggs but they're not great quality I don't make very many and they're poor quality in the end we still feel the same same hurt yeah like and the same the same weight like of like are am I going to get something normal like because we both end up with one or two blasts mostly Mm -hmm. one for me I usually end up with one blast and and the blast is like me too now yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's like sketchy. It's like 
kind of a blast. She's like, ah, let's just try and buy up see it and see what we get. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you're like, okay. Yeah. And you prepare yourself for the worst because that's how you can get through this. Because if you have too much hope, yeah. you feel like it's, I'm just going to get like knocked off the like Empire State yep. Building. Like that's yeah, what it exactly. feels like. Yeah, because like, yeah. like your like your trauma brain and body won't even allow you to because you know you've been betrayed too many times. You you went through. I know I I know my you know we we went through probably the first first round like having so much hope and it works, but then later every time you lose, I feel like the hope goes down too with it. It's I feel like it's a natural thing. Yeah, I feel like it's a natural thing. So what now? Cycle seven's done. <laughs> Cycle seven's done. And you know what? The whole end of egg retrieval party wasn't like, it wasn't even about celebrating our ab, uh, our normal embryo because we, we didn't have that yet. It was like, because, you know, it was like a three weeks wait. It was like hell. So we're like, but it was, it felt very liberating to just put your foot down and say, this is the last one. Well, we had to. We had no more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no more money or insurance, right? And then, um. So yeah, we are preparing for transfer now. We're like, finally, it's like weird, weird saying that. It's like finally transition. Stop thinking about the ovaries. Let's start thinking about the, which I know nothing about the uterus, like the whole lining thing. Um, before we talk about that, I do want to like, give a shout out on to my, you know, to the embryos that I that we made that are normal because you know I think part of part of part of me I I did feel some guilt like you know I did the whole six weeks thing with Victoria's group and I finally like I saw them no longer foreign I I saw them as mine I was actually excited to transfer them like our like our two normal embryo and now I just you know there are there are hours now where I love knowing that we have options like you know who knows? My 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 two won't might not work either, and then they'll always be there for us, our donor MBs. You know, I we do strive to like bring them to life too because now I'm actually attached to them. God, mm-hmm. it's so long to be attached to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah. So transfer so, now. But you did you did some testing, right? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know we had this conversation. So yeah. funny. Like, Dr. Amy, test the shit out of me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't. I'm like, you know what? Just do it all. Like, hit me with everything. Yeah, exactly. For me, I I, I didn't say that, but I, I meant that. Yeah. Because I'm like, Dr. Amy, hey, Dr. Amy, I, I got to sit down where I'm like, treat me as somebody with reoccurring implantation failure. Mm-hmm. Like, just treat me like that patient. She's like, I already planned to, because I'm like, these are like high, it took me, it took us two and a half years to make these embryos, you know, we're like, we're going to do everything possible. And you know how I I operate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you went back to Dr. Amy and then back to Dr. Amy. Yes. And then, so now you're going to do some testing. So what kind of testing are, are you doing? We started with the HSG, didn't even, did not pass that one, found a polyp deep in my uterus dr amy's like i won't be able to remove that's too risky she's like i can't even see that on an ultrasound or so uh, i had an appointment with the surgeon for a second opinion mm-hmm. dr serato that's one of her recommendations um 
And then next, so I'm on a mock cycle right now. I'm pumped up on letrozole, which makes me really tired. Um, I just triggered. So yeah, I'm going in for my biopsy in five days. I'm going to be doing an ERA to check my um, implantation period. Um, I'm doing the Receptiva DX test, and that one checks for any inflammation in my uterus. And I'm also doing the Alice and Emma test that checks for the bacteria and microbiome in my uterus lining, uterine lining. So um, on top of that, I, so that's next Friday. And on top of that, I plan to do, uh, redo my um, immunology testing. I actually did, I did um, immunology testing last September already. And I came back with elevated um, natural killer cells. I have, I, I tested positive for PAI1 and that's the blood clotting component. So I'll need some sort of like blood thinner Lovenox or whatever to just prevent blood clotting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I need to repeat the immunology panel. So how do you how do you feel? <laughs> it is it's odd actually. I never felt like first of all, it's like that freaking time we made it to transfer. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know. We were so gun ho about transferring our, our embryos made from, from our donor eggs, but it it's grateful to have the opportunity to just be able to make something of mine with my eggs to transfer. And like, who wouldn't want to, right? I don't know. I think I'll be so butthurt in life to go through seven rounds and like I've never transfer anything of my own. That one's hard. That one's, that one's a little hard to swallow. I'll probably need more therapy. Yeah, I mean, like we all do. Like, honestly, like we all do. So, so this journey for you particularly has had a lot of downs and some ups also. So, if you could give advice to anyone out there who's going through this journey, who's first starting out, like start with maybe what was the hardest thing for you? Like, what as a new IVF patient, like what would you have wanted to know? rate will be nice you know just understanding because I we never had that right I, I never had that I, it was more like learn as you go so I'm, I'm hoping clinics are doing a little better at like educating or or like setting the expectation you know you may you might you might take out 10 eggs but not all 10 eggs will work they go through an attrition um period um yeah start so that's that's one and I would you know it's weird because I feel like IVF clinics especially the ones I mean the ones that I've been I'm I'm, I'm with they're not good at advising supplements (laughs) or like Mm -hmm. supplements to take you know Mm -hmm. like I have to work with you know I work with Amy Rapp she's like the egg quality diet girl um my 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 acupuncturist now she's she's good with because they they focus they specialize in fertility mm-hmm. um so they're they they know how to advise on like you know which supplements to optimize fertility but but yeah like i'll start acupuncture for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. start acupuncture find somebody that specializes in fertility acupuncture have them audit your supplement list 
um, I wish I knew that because I didn't, I didn't really get on the supplement game until round four, really, you know, Dr. Amy supplement, true, true edge and NAD and pro still being right. I felt like that helped a lot because, you know, every round, my number, my egg number increased or like, you know, or like my, or like my mature and fertilization number increased. So I know something, I don't, I can't pinpoint exactly what made the most difference, but I definitely know because I've been on this, the same diet, which is AIP focus, um, since round five to six, right? I was able to increase everything like the mature and fertilized, but I was not able to make normals until I did PRP and the Soluma. Like I just needed something to, to really target egg quality. Cause really that is the source, right? Oh, find your tribe. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's really nice. I mean, I'm not saying that you need to create an IG account and be public, Mm -hmm. but it's nice to just, you know, start. I mean, I, I have a lot of relationship with like smaller, um, you know, um, uh, private non-public profiles on IG Mm -hmm. and we just have a Mm -hmm. deep relationship. We're like Mm -hmm. Puggy, Winnie. Yes. Yes. Winnie. Shout out to Winnie. Yeah. Jen and Jen too. Yes. Shout out to Jen. Yeah. Yeah, she started just, um, you know, we start developing a mm-hmm. relationship just through DM first. Yes. And then now she, you know, she decided to transition over and start her IG account. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's really important just to like find your tribe. Or like mm-hmm. you said, you mentioned earlier, just even finding one person that you, that that knows what you're really going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you really want to go above and beyond, just definitely, I, I highly recommend um, cheer me like mm-hmm. misconception or find like a therapist. Mm-hmm. I, it would be great if they specialize in fertility. That's an important thing. All right. What's the hardest thing during this whole thing? I don't know. That one's hard because I feel like everything was hard. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, holding on to hope, I feel mm. like. And I felt like it's okay if you don't hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think for a while I felt sort of guilty because, like, you know, I was going through so many rounds of loss, right? And I mean, mm-hmm. like, I just can't. I'm mm-hmm. just, I, I could say I could do, I, I'll try my best. But I, I do get DMs that's saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't talk like that. Because, you know, I, I would talk, I would say, yeah, oh, my eggs are crappy. I'm like, oh, you shouldn't talk about your eggs like that. I'm like. I'm just being real. I'm just keeping it real. Or like, you know, oh, just have hope, you know, have faith. Keep the faith. Keep the hope. I'm like, thanks. I can't. And I feel like it's okay. You need to be pessimistic. Be pessimistic. I feel like that's your central nervous system protecting you. I think yeah. I think we have to be careful not to stay down there too long, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think you can feel your feelings and feel like... Like, cause I get, I, I had that too. Like, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen if my only embryo embryo doesn't make it. Like, honestly, I really don't know because I haven't given myself the opportunity to even think of that scenario yet because I'm still in retrieval mode. Right. Exactly. And yeah, until you cross that bridge. Right. But yeah, in retrieval mode, like there have been certain times where you feel like, you're like another failure. You're like, God, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I? And it's, but you can spend time in there because it's important to feel your feelings. But I think it's also important 
to give yourself time there and then come out of that space. Cause it was like, you know, like you said, when your husband was peeling you off the ground, like when you were down that low, like, you're like, I got to get out of here. Like, I can't stay Mm -hmm. here. I need to like get out of here and figure out what I need to do next. So I think it's important, like you said, to recognize those feelings, give those feelings space. And then I think, you know, whatever it is, if it's finding help, like, you know, a group Mm -hmm. or a coach or a therapist or whatever, to like kind of help you process that so you're not down in that pit for I too long. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I, I admit I have been in that pit longer than I want to, but you know, it's, I think it's okay to give yourself, if you need to stay down there longer, then do it. But I feel like you will get sick of being down there like I did, <laughs> you know? But like, I feel like, you know, take the time you need to feel what you need to feel. Because for me, I know I need more time yeah. to, it's not, I it's, I can't just bounce back like that, I guess. That yeah. quick. And I'm just keeping yeah. it real, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and like this whole process has been crazy. There's been good and bad things. Um, tell me something positive that's come out of all this. All the warriors I met on IG, like you, (laughs) like Jen, like Winnie, Alyssa, Alex. Oh my God. And then like, um, I have like warriors like from Australia that I love, like Joe from Finding Baby D and Joanna from IVF Tribe and and so many others, like so many, like, you know, I depend on, you know, this community now, you know, like you guys have became, you guys became my lifeline pretty much like I and I mean it and it's like I know when I'm having a bad day or like I just post a story and like you know I know somebody will be available like to you know to support because I know we're all busy right so like for me I feel bad I feel bad bothering people but because you're posting on IG it is yeah that's the best thing I found my tribe on and I feel like you know I feel like we can like be lifelong friends it makes me sad in a way because like, I wish we didn't have to meet under these circumstances. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And you don't like you're rooting for everyone, you know, like when you, yeah. when you have all these people like in your tribe, like I said, there's moments where you feel envy because that's natural and it's normal. Yeah. Cause yeah. you know, you're like, why can't I make normal embryos no. or whatever? But yep. like, I feel like all, all these people that we meet and we've come across, like I, I want everyone to succeed. I want everyone yeah. to get their baby. Like, absolutely. Like there's, I feel like it's one of the few areas in your life where you feel like everyone, especially with a big group of women, like everyone yes. is rooting for each other. Everyone is supporting each other and we're lifting each other up. Yes. And honestly, when you hurt, especially the warriors I'm like close with, or even if I'm not close, when I read their story, I actually feel the hurt too. Yeah. Yeah. That's really hard. But like, yeah, like you said, I'm like rooting for so many. And this is, I don't know, this is like what I call, what do you call this? Beauty in the struggle? Yeah. 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 I mean, if you can find any, I guess that would be it for for this whole journey is that like um I've been really lucky I've met some really like super sweet amazing nice 
women and all of us have these really crappy circumstances <laughs> where yeah, we all have really crappy stories. I mean, like, yeah, circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it sucks. Like you said that we have to meet this way, but you know, they always say it's like the worst club, but it has the best members. So <laughs> I like, so true. I know, I know. And I'm just like, so grateful that I got to meet everyone, especially you. Cause you know, but like when we were doing the PRP, I think, I mean, we were like messaging each other every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's scary. There's not enough mm-hmm. information out there. I'm so glad I have you to lean on support because I'm like, yeah. oh my God, are we really doing this? I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like even in the procedure room, I think we were screaming at each other through yes, the room, we through the door. <laughs> <laughs> we were totally, totally like... Like, it's just going to mess us up. Like, you know. I know. I know. But it, it, like, it was, it was the first time I ever went through this, like, with someone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, normally we do retrieval. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, like, alone. You're there alone. You're, like, left alone with your thoughts. But, like, the whole time, because we were just, like, our appointments were just, like, a little off from each other. Exactly. Um, I was, I, so, during the PRP, actual PRP day, it's me, and then you were the next one after me, because they have to do one at a time, because it's just one doctor, Dr. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, and so, yeah, so, I think we were, like, we were, we were both, I think, nervous the first time, and we were just, like, messaging each other like oh I'm, I'm walking in now and like oh I just got my blood drawn you know like I think that was just a really nice experience because th- the rest of the time we don't get anybody we're just like mm-hmm. like alone in the process yep. like you know so I it was just really nice so I think I think you're totally right like out of this <laughs> whole really crappy experience I think we've met some really amazing people and I'm so grateful that we have I know. um so funny the first time I actually met you in real life was at I know prestige I know <laughs> I know because I think I like message you I'm like this is what I'm wearing and we just happen yes. to be passing each other and we're like oh my gosh is it is because we had our masks on too yeah. and so we're like is are you and then we're like oh my gosh so but it, it felt like I already knew you you know yeah, what I mean? Because exactly. I did. <laughs> oh, like scan- when I was on the scanning, uh, the 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 waiting room, I was scanning around like who could Victoria be? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I messaged you. I'm like, are you here? I'm wearing like a fuzzy jacket, and you're like, I'm not even there yet. I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, when we were like, because it was, I think after the blood draw, we just kind of passed each other. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. So it was really cool. So one of these days when we're past all this crazy stuff, we'll have to actually see each other in real life where we don't have to talk about all this. <laughs> I know. And, and actually get a real drink. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I'm like, I totally want a mimosa. But OK, so I have some questions. We got a okay. bunch of questions. So this will be the longest episode ever, which is fine. <laughs> it's like it'll be fine. You need to edit this. <laughs> nope, it's going to stay exactly as it is. I'm not changing a thing. I love it. Okay, so um, your first question is, what what diet or supplements did you add in your last successful egg retrieval? Um, the diet I kept the same, which is the um, uh, the A-quality diet, um, but it's really it's really AIP. So it's a, AIP is a stricter version of paleo, you know? It's all about decreasing inflammation, um, focusing on your gut health and everything. And so 
that diet worked for me. I, I've done the Mediterranean. Again, I told you I've done paleo for like five years before, but because a paleo is really broad and there are, there are food within the paleo category that causes inflammation that you might not be aware of. So starting with AIP, it's an, it, it starts with an elimination diet phase, phase in phase two. So then you start reintroducing food and that's when you're like, oh, I'm getting, a, I'm getting an itch now. I'm getting an eczema. So like that's an inflammation marker. That's when you know like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe like for example, almonds are not, I never knew almonds is a healthy thing, but it, it gives me eczema. It flares on my eczema, for example. And I would not have discovered that if I didn't go on the AIP diet. So AIP diet, supplement wise, I have a huge list, but um, I definitely did um, uh, most of what, if you Google Dr. Amy's egg quality diet, uh, I'm sorry, egg quality supplements, those are main, my, the main supplements I t uh, that I took. Like there's Asahi, there's Trugnigen, um, there's Protostilabine. So a lot of antioxidants, high antioxidants. And then there's NAD, which is cellular repair. I do prenatal, ubiquinol, omegas, um, like all that jazz. So like we Google like Dr. Amy's. Um, oh, I also did um, Asian herbs. I, I did Chinese herbs too. I did wall herbs. So I, I have an acupuncturist herbalist that reads my pulse and figure out my prescription. Mm -hmm. um, and this is kind of similar. Um, what do you think helped the most to, uh, to achieve two PGS normal embryos on your seventh cycle? Uh the two new things that I added was Saluma, that's the infrared light, and also PRP. Um, they made a difference in a way. I feel like they just, you know, PRP woke up my dormant eggs, right? No, in theory, that's what they're supposed to do, you know. But in terms of, get, if, I, if I've gotten any new eggs, I've woken up, right? They need time to mature. And the Saluma red light, that helps with mitochondria function. All your eggs need mitochondria. That's like your battery pack um, or what they call APT energy. <laughs> so the Saluma helps keeps it, you know, keeps the energy going. Um, and remember earlier in my talk, I talked about meiosis. That's the whole trigger process. That's when a lot of, if your eggs do not properly divide the 46 chromosome to make room for the sperm, that's when you see, usually see the abnormality. So I sort of took that concept and that's why after the trigger shot, I did more of the Saluma. So because the Saluma helps keep that mitochondria, the APT energy going. So after the, um, after the trigger shot, I pretty much did like a session every six hours until my egg retrieval. I don't know if that did anything, but in theory, that made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, any tricks for making it through the 100-day egg quality diet? Um, <laughs> always have food ready. Yes. That's the worst thing is when you're hungry, you're like, I have nothing to eat. <laughs> yeah, always have food ready. And if you can get your husband, you know, an eating buddy, whether it's, I know you're doing, you're doing something with Jen, you're pairing, you know, like if, having a support buddy system help is really hard to do it yourself. It's really hard. 
I was really lucky that my husband was on board to do it with me. And so like when I felt like cheating, he would like slap me and paste. Do you want to pay me or not? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't yeah. this hard, this far, like, you know, it was like day 55 to like, just give up like that. You're halfway through. So yeah, it was nice to have like a cheerleader. Um, I actually, you know, I, I actually, did, um, you know, I work with Chiami on this food thing too, because I was screwing up with my head because the restriction was screwing up with my head. Um, and she said, why don't you just figure out what you like from the diet? And so, you know, again, just trying to find the beauty of things. And then like, for example, there are things I like on a diet and we just ate more of that. Okay. Um, all right. I think I know the answer to this, but I'll let you answer it. Um, what worked best for you when you were sad or felt hopeless after receiving bad news? Um, yeah, we went crazy afterwards. <laughs> um you know, because we were, you know, from, from, from cycle five to like seven, um, we're on such a crazy regimen after each round. So back up before that, sorry, if I, um, back up before that to help another question to help me get through the diet was I created a bucket list of what I wanted to do after my retrieval was over. Cause I kept telling myself, this is, this diet is only temporary. It's only a hundred days of my life. It's okay. I mean, I kept failing, right? What's another hundred days in this? And so keeping like a bucket list of like, you know, cause me and my husband like to eat and drink. And when we didn't do that, it was really restricting. So when we kept a bucket list, it helped us have something to look forward to. So back to your question, when I you know when we received bad news, um we looked at our bucket list we're like it's time to cross off some stuff we rely on food therapy a lot (laughs) if you you haven't seen my IG so far yeah that's something that's something we're like um we have no restriction right now we're on break I I definitely gave myself a few days to heal from my retrieval before we did that and reintroduce all the inflammation stuff in our diet um and you're yeah. still seeing your coach and everything yes. too, right? To yes. help with that yes. also. Yes. Oh, um, another tip that she, uh, Chami told me to do is um, make sure you schedule a session around when you're about to get news. That really helps. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I would have a session with her, maybe like definitely after the egg retrieval, I would have a session with her because, you know, that waiting period could mess up your head and it yes. did. I'm so glad. Yes. And then I would have one around the PGT, like after the PGT mm-hmm. result. Because I know mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad news, I'm going to need to talk to somebody. And then posting on IG. Yeah. Well, I, I think, too, when you do that, because you get your tribe that kind of s- stands by you and is like they're there to support you. So I think that that's been really helpful for me um, yeah. whenever I reach out to you guys. So. Thank you for that. Thank you for being part of my tribe. I, I'm so grateful you. that you're always there for me. Oh, I'm grateful <laughs> like, for you. Too. Always. I'm like, oh, then you're like, oh my gosh, okay, let's talk about it, you know? So I'm so grateful for that. So it's it's not a one-way street. It's definitely a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, this question is, um, I would like to ask how red light therapy is benefiting the egg quality. Uh, mitochondria function. APT energy. Um, so eggs take a lot of energy to mature, like get to a state where it's ready to, you know, develop and retrieve. 
And so we lose that energy as we age, especially over 40. That's the difference between a younger egg and an older egg. Younger egg, you know, their uh, mitochondria function is stronger than than us because we lose it. So having the red light, and it's quite strong. It actually absorbs past your skin. Um, You know, I'm quite skeptical about it too. The only reason why I felt I'll have a lot of confidence in the Saluma infrared light is how, um, well, first of all, it's definitely based on research. There's research paper out there that shows infrared light. Um, Infrared light, they call low level light therapy, LLLT. That's the technical term. There's research out there that shows how it improves egg quality. But what was really fascinating is research that shows how it improves sperm quality. And my husband also used a Saluma from round six to seven. He didn't use it on round six because we didn't get the Saluma until after round six. And and his, his sperm marker like improved. And he only did the Saluma. That was the only difference. He didn't do PRP. So it had to it had to do something for my egg quality because if it did something for the sperm quality. This is my non-scientific <laughs> No, it was great. It was great. And I'll put links to a lot of this too in the episode. So um and then this next question is do you have a full-time job? How do you manage the time to do all the things for IVF? Yes, I have a full-time job. I'm a web I'm a front end web developer. And I, I'm really lucky that, you know, I work for a company that like female founder. And so I was able, it's easy for me to open up to my, to my boss, you know, because she's a female and she gives me the, the time I need, you know, to do the IVF stuff. So every time I, my appointments are usually like my, my um, acupuncture appointments, for example, are usually within my lunch time. So I try to use like leverage lunch break, right? Which is the hardest thing is also the, um, the cognitive load, the switching, the context switching. I would need to like, you know, make my IVF appointments, especially if it's an egg retrieval early in the morning, come back to work, go to acupuncture during lunch, come back to work again. And then schedule, like, you know, sometimes I go to chiropractor or other appointments after work. So it's it's a juggle. It's it's hard. I mean, IVF is like having a second full-time job. It's exhausting. IVF Confidential says, no question. Just want to tell Annie she's amazing. <laughs> so that's super sweet. <laughs> and then Winnie says, two amazing badass greater than 40 infertility mamas in the house. <laughs> Thanks, Winnie. <laughs> yeah, I have confidential. Hi, Tania. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, uh, this next question is, how many PRP sessions did you do? Uh, two. Two. I follow Dr. Folk's recommendation, which makes sense to me because, like, you know, eggs, uh, whatever, whatever dormant eggs you wake up, it takes about three months to mature, you know, about three. That's, I mean, that, that's why the egg quality dies hundred days, you know, over three months. That's why every, if you read like the book, it starts with the egg. Every time you start a new supplement, you know, they say, you know, t- it takes about three months. So when, when Dr. Folk said like, you know, he suggests to do one once a month, that makes sense to me because everything else it's like that like why wouldn't you do it every other month so I didn't do three because I was thinking well I didn't have time I didn't want to wait another month 
And after every PRP, I do suggest you go check your baseline every month to see if it did anything. For me, I saw an improvement every month, every baseline after PRP. So that helped validate like how, especially the second session, I have never seen 29 follicles ever. That was my most ever. So I know PRP did something to me. Um, how much do you think Sayuma helped and how long did it take for you to see the benefits? Saluma definitely helped. And again, I answer that question of like, um, because of I, I saw the sperm improve. For me, I saw like, you know, my... First of all, I had three offenders in my in my poor A quality morphology. I had SIRS, I had large polar bodies, I had large PV spaces. By round seven with two rounds of PRP and Saluma, I had no more large polar body. That disappeared. <laughs> large PV spaces gone too. So the three like offenders. I was left with sir. I still had that, but only 75% had it. 25% did not. And that's like, uh, that's like amazing. Cause like my embryologist, like, wow, that's, I mean, the, the fact that I got, the fact that my eggs did not, my, you know, from round seven did not have like three of like the offenders, like round six was like amazing. So it's definitely Saluma and, and PRP. I don't know the percentage, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it made a difference. Yeah. Um, have you used Chinese herbs during IVF treatment or between treatments? Not during. They, uh, my acupuncturist said once I start stem, once I start any kind of injection or any IVF medicine to stop, um, to stop um, Chinese herbs. But yes, I, I did Chinese herbs like uh, throughout, pretty much throughout um yeah, I did Chinese herbs after round six. So I started, I'm, I'm hesitating because I actually started Chinese herb in the middle of round six or towards the end of round six. But it's really after round six when I failed, when I got like, when it was a bust that I just did full charge. Again, I, I just, we just tried everything just so we don't yeah. have any regret. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, did you explore LLLT instead of Selima? Yes, I did. So LLLT stands for low level light therapy, which I referenced at first, um, if you look at research. So from round, um, so when I was prepping for round five, I did three, I bought a cheaper version from Amazon. It's about $200. Um, so I did that for three months for round five to prep for round five and then make any difference. And when I actually got the Saluma and I, I, I compared my, the one I have from Amazon, the cheaper version of Saluma, the light source and the way they radiate is totally different. Totally different. I felt the penetrate. I felt like the, the Saluma was stronger and it could penetrate deeper. So yes, it was worth the money. It was worth that $750. I think it's a little oh, bit cheaper oh. now. Oh yeah. It's six fifty now, but look, yeah. The fact that it helps me with my wrinkles, <laughs> my wrinkles away. Like, okay. I mean, I could only imagine how great it worked for my eggs because it helped the sperm. It helped my wrinkles. Cause you know, I'm like thinking, I'm like, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be an older mom. I need to stay young. <laughs> oh my gosh. So crazy. <laughs> um, were you able to see the results of PRP on ultrasound and how long after? 
three weeks after I did both of my checks three weeks. So after PRP one, I checked three, sorry, after PRP one, I, I did my scan around two and a half weeks and I saw, um, usually after every retrieval that month, my, my follicles are so swollen. I'm usually only seeing 12 to 15 follicles. This is the month after uh, after retrieval. And so I did I did PRP right after my round six retrieval. So that month, I know I'm supposed to only see like 12 to 15 because that's my track record. I track my AFC every month, so I know how it goes. Um, I saw 20 after the first round. And the second after the second PRP, I waited three weeks because of scheduling. It's not like it wasn't intentional. You, you, Dr. Amy said you should wait at least two weeks minimum but, and then do a scan. I waited three weeks and I saw 29 follicles. And that's the max. I've never seen so much. And I thought it was a fluke. And so I went back to count my follicle on my baseline. And it was they counted the same. So I, had, I double counted just to make sure. So wait at least two weeks. Okay. Um, how do you stay hopeful and positive th throughout the struggle? As I reviewed earlier, I, I, try, I don't even strive to do that anymore. All I could tell myself is like, just try your best. And for me, like I, I had enough energy to just, and maybe I sort of deflect that thinking for me when I take action. Like, I'm like, try to be good on my diet, like, you know, try to do all this experimental stuff and like, keep up with acupuncture, all that. I think that's my way of staying positive and being hopeful without saying or feeling it. Because my mind could not allow me to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, um, this next question is, what was your IVF protocol after PRP? It's the same as round six. I did not change the protocol. Uh, what was it like? How much? Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, you know, I love my new clinic because the way they do priming. Um, why I do priming is because you know when you have a lot of follicles, they they try to quiet down your system so all the follicles will grow together. You don't have a lead follicle. That's that's the reason why you know priming is beneficial for like high. You know, if you have like if you have a lot of follicles. And I've done different kind of priming where I felt like I'm so super suppressed, like with Lupron, for example, I primed for 11 days and like, it's like just shut down my system. <laughs> like, but when I was priming with um, Cetrotide or Gonorelix for five days, it was just enough to quiet down my system. So remember my FSH is usually over 10. When I prime, it brings that, okay, it's just tricking your brain. Because FS6 is from your brain, right? And it just tricks your brain to like not do anything. So I actually lowers my FSH to about six or seven. So I prime for five days and then I do a um, moderate protocol, I would say, because I don't use too much gonal and I don't use too much Menopure. Um, just 150 gonal, two Menopure max. Um, and then I just... I just stem for no longer than 11 days and I do my retrieval. I guess on my, so back, I guess on my seventh one, because I felt like 150 Ghana was a little too low, mm -hmm. I just like bumped it up by 50. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Because again, like, I don't know, you know, 
Oh my gosh. I know that it won't harm me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not advising. I mean, I'm seven rounds in, you know, I know what these medicines, how my body reacts. I've done, I've done higher, like, dose of Gano F before, you know, mm-hmm. and like bumping up to 200 is nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just, I just bumped up to 50. I don't know. I don't think it made a difference for me. I just wanted to like, I just want more to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, did you find the body release from chiropractor beneficial? Yes. Yes. Any, it, I don't think it helped me. I'm not sure. I don't think it helped me with a quality, but for me, I, anything that relaxed my body, you know, when people tell you, Oh, just relax, you will get pregnant for me. I, I, I really don't like that comment. I'm, I know a lot of us don't, but for me, I need to um, intentionally relax and chiropractic helped me do that. And plus I feel so loosey goosey and like, you know, good afterwards. And then I feel my blood flowing. So it has helped me with something. Um, let's see. Some of these are repeat questions. So let me, three main things you did to improve egg quality. Um, Saluma, definitely. Saluma, infrared light, PRP. Diet and acupuncture, those go hand in hand. I, I wholeheartedly believe both of them. I mean, just doing that helped me improve like my mature and for, I mean, it makes sense, right? When my, your body goes through a lot during STEM. I just want to make sure all the resource is not going through, you know, it's not from my body fighting inflammation from some of the food I'm causing. I wanted to conserve all the resource to, you know, growing my eggs so it can and also I was sleeping better my skin was looking better gave me a little bit more confidence I don't have pimples anymore <laughs> I mean every little thing that brings you joy right yes I mean it's just like <laughs> yes for sure um so how do people find you how to they how do they connect with you on IG a lucky baby lamb that's <laughs> that's how you find me and um if they have more questions for you are you open to people dming you and stuff like that oh absolutely i'm happy to help you know it's been it's been you know i just never thought it would turn out this way but it, it it's been it feels really good i mean like you know if if my story or anything could help just one person i mean i wish i had somebody to like help me and I did once I joined the community I mean I've learned so much from I'm, I learned more that I learned more from other warriors than my 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 doctor sometimes you know and so I feel like I'm just sort of like I want to pay it forward for those who help me because before IG I didn't really have anybody I was really lucky to have like a really like you know one of my best friends was going through infertility too so I lean on her a lot but we were on different um you know, she started IVF three, like two years before me. So she was already ahead, mm-hmm. you know, and having this community, like I'm learning from so many people, like has helped me so much. So thank you. I'm so grateful. And if any, in any, if, if there's any way for me to pay forward by, you know, being open, leaving my DM open to answer any questions, I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah. Well, Annie... It's so good to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you.
Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I mean, I'm so grateful for you. No, I'm grateful for you. Like, I, I don't know what um, this journey would be like without like you guys. You're like just being a total open book and that just helps so many people. So um, thank you. And to everyone who's coming on, to everyone who's being open and sharing their story, it helps so many people. And I don't, I don't know that you know how many people you help. Well, um, hopefully you'll come back and give us an update at some point. Yes. Yes. And wishing you like all the wonderful things and all the things that we hope for for each other. So I'm, I'll be waiting for the good news soon. Thank you. Same for you too. I'm rooting hard for you. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. bye. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. If you want a question or topic covered in future episodes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at 40 and infertile. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for alerts and new episodes. And I hope to see you back again soon. Bye.